Hey everyone, this is Johnny Martinez, pastor of Restoration Church, and welcome to our podcast. We hope this podcast inspires you and encourages you as you seek to follow Jesus. We hope you enjoy the sermon. Mark chapter 8, 14 through 21 today. Mark chapter 8, 14 through 21. Uh, if you're new here with us today at Restoration, uh, we are going through the book of Mark. I mean, section by section. It's taken us maybe a little over a year to get to Mark chapter 8. And so, man, we just dig into the scriptures. Uh, we believe they are God's inspired Uh, infallible word to us. Uh, And so, man, we're just passionate about preaching the scriptures here and not man's opinion. Trust me, you do not want my opinion. Uh, Mark chapter 8, 14 through 21. I titled the message for today, Dull Disciples. Dull Disciples. And I'm not talking about the dull whip they sell at Disneyland. I'm talking about dull, not sharp, that kind of thing. Dull disciples. Jesus, we talked about maybe two weeks ago, uh, Jesus feeding the 4,000 people in the region of the Decapolis. Ramiro talked about that. Uh, After Jesus fed the 4,000 people, he got into the boat, went back to the region of Galilee, uh, and he had this conflict with the Pharisees. Uh, He had this clash with the Pharisees. So then him and his disciples get back on the boat and go back to the region of Decapolis, which is mainly a Gentile region. So they're back on the boat with Jesus. And if you remember, if you've been following along in the Gospel of Mark, um, every time that Jesus and his disciples get on a boat, it's never a good thing, right? Like, like when there was a storm and Jesus had to calm the storm, like they, they, they displayed a lack of faith. Like it was just not a good time when Jesus got on the boat with his disciples. Then Jesus walks on water. They were super afraid. So this is the third and last boat ride, if you will, uh, that Jesus has with his disciples. And here's the thing. Here's what we're going to see today. Uh, We're going to see the disciples, you know, displaying or showing these signs of spiritual blindness or maybe even having a little bit of a hard heart. Last week, we talked about the Pharisees who had hard hearts. They were in unbelief. And so it's not only the Pharisees that are, you know, dealing with hard hearts and and blind eyes, uh, but, uh, but it's also the disciples of Jesus that are also struggling with the same thing. Now, here's the thing. The Pharisees are going away from Christ in their hardness of heart. Jesus' disciples, although they're struggling with, uh, you know, that hard heart and spiritual blindness and really understanding who Jesus is and the message of the kingdom and the mission of the kingdom, they're going towards Jesus. They're growing but they're growing very slowly, okay? They're growing very slowly. Uh, and how many of you, just looking back at your life, you're like, man, I kind of grew some, I grew really slow in Jesus. I mean, that, that kind of happens to us. Like, we can really relate. Like Ramiro was saying a couple of weeks ago, we can really relate with these disciples a lot. Like, they're growing, but they're growing very, very slow. And so that's what we're going to see today. So verse 14, let's do it. It says, now they had forgotten to bring the bread, And they had only one loaf with them in the boat. And he cautioned them, saying, Watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. 
And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves of the 5,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, Twelve. And the seven for the 4,000, and how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, Seven. I don't know about you, but I picture the disciples like this, like when you parents kind of like scold your kids. Seven? You know, I just picture that. I don't know if you picture that, but I picture that. And he said to them, do you not yet understand? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for the generosity of your people. We thank you that you are a God who provides You are a God that meets all of our needs. You are a God that is faithful and true. And when it comes to finances, God, you never let us down. God, you bless us to bless others. You bless us so that we can be kingdom-minded. God, I pray today that you would lead us and guide us in the study of this passage. That you would, through the power of your Holy Spirit, instruct us, encourage us, and honestly, God, even challenge us in the areas where we need challenging. God, may the word just come forth. May you speak to each and every person here. God, we love your word. Your word is infallible, inerrant, authoritative for our lives, God, and we submit not under man's opinion and catchy phrases, but under your holy word. We thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. Over the last year, church, I've been doing a lot of, uh, a lot of housework. Over the last uh, year and a half or so, uh, I've been doing a lot of remodeling and just like, man, work, you know, whatever. Uh, and so that means I've been on YouTube quite a bit because I have no idea what I'm doing. Uh, and so uh, we were remodeling this house and... Um, I really just learned a lot of tricks of the trade. I honestly did not know anything about remodeling anything uh, before starting this. Uh, The only thing I've done at my own house was put up the backsplash, and uh, I never want you to see it. But uh, uh, so we, you know, this one time at this this house that we were remodeling, we were putting in uh, flooring. We were putting in laminate flooring, and so... Uh, just, just to give you a little tip here, so give you a little tip. Uh, whenever you're installing some laminate flooring and you get to the door, like you get to the door, uh, instead of trying to like measure and make sure the cut is completely perfect to go around the frame, the door jam and all that stuff, uh, you actually, it's, it's really easy to get a tool. It's called an oscillating tool and you put this like bit on it, this little attachment on it, and this attachment has like really, really sharp teeth and it vibrates back and forth like really, really fast. And so what you do is you actually put the, 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 the flooring down like this and then you put that tool there and you actually cut uh, the door frame. Like you cut uh, the, the, the door frame and the door jam. That way you could simply just slide the laminate under it uh, and you don't have to like sit there and, and, and you know, make it 
make it extremely perfect because you should have seen my first attempts. They're really bad. Uh, you know what they say, hey, do your best and cock the rest. You know what I mean? So I was just kind of cocking everything there. Um, and, and, so, and so, man, like, I was just like going crazy trying to cut these door jams, you know. And, uh, and I'm like, man, this, it's just not working. And, and I, was, I was just, this thing was vibrating like crazy. I'm like, what in the world? Like, these things are not working. This tool's terrible. And then smoke started coming. Smoke started coming out of the wall. Like it was just brutal. Christina's like, "What are you cooking in here? Like, what's going on?" And it was just smoke everywhere. And so I got the tool. I'm like, "What's wrong with this thing?" I look at the tool, and the bit, like the the drill bit that goes on this tool, is completely dull. Like there is no teeth at all like there is absolutely no teeth at all so I got a new one I put it on like butter baby just like butter and I got to tell you and that's just not that's it happened over and over again with other types of tools but there is nothing worse in this world when you're doing housework than a dull tool like honestly like it's terrible uh like it's it's useless a dull tool is ineffective I'm telling you, just trust me, if you don't know anything about houses, it's super ineffective to have a dull, dull tool. It's just ineffective and useful, or useless, I'm sorry. Now, I was thinking about, is there, is there really something else that could be just as bad as a dull tool, as a dull power tool? And the answer is yes. I think there's something much worse that, that much, something much worse that can be dull than a dull tool. And that is, church, a dull disciple. A dull disciple of Jesus. A dull disciple, as we're going to see in this passage, lacks understanding. A dull disciple lacks purpose. A dull disciple lacks focus. A dull disciple lacks urgency for the things of God, for the kingdom of God, for the word of God. A dull disciple lacks faith. A dull disciple lacks a desire, a deep desire for the word of God and the things of God. Therefore, a dull disciple, when it comes to the kingdom of God, is ineffective and useless. It really is. And I don't know about you, but I'm going to assume that because you're here at church today, that you don't want to be a dull disciple, that you want to be effective, that you want to have purpose, that you want to have faith to make a difference for the kingdom of God. I'm going to assume that. And so here's my goal today, church. I want to answer one question and one question only. The question is this. What, what makes a dull disciple dull? Like, if we want to be effective, if we want to make a difference, if we want to be biblical Christians, kingdom-minded Christians, then according to the scriptures, what makes a disciple dull? Like, what are the things that we have to kind of watch out for or uh, be aware of that could cause dullness, usefulness, or not being useful, uselessness in our lives? Like, what are those things that, that kind of dull a disciple to not be as effective as they can? And again, that's my only question that I want to answer today. What makes a dull disciple dull? I think that's what Jesus is trying to do here. There are two things in this passage 
If you're taking notes, I'd encourage you to write them down. The first is this, a distraction from God's word. Being distracted from God's words, God's word makes a disciple dull, useless, ineffective. Verse 14 says this, now they had forgotten to bring the bread and they had only one loaf with them in the boat. And he cautioned them saying, watch out, be aware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they began discussing with one another the fact they had no bread. Distracted from God's word. Mark tells them, tells us that they had forgotten to bring the bread. So the disciples are in the region of Galilee. They get into the boat and someone's in charge of the bread, but someone had forgotten to bring the bread. I don't know why, but I just think that sounds very funny when you start like the, the passage that way. Someone forgot the bread. And Mark tells us that there was only one loaf. There was only one loaf. It was a, a pita-sized piece of bread that was really only for one person. Like, have you ever gone to Pita Jungle? Any, like, anyone like Pita Jungle? All right, you know, the pitas that they serve you there? It was about that size. I mean, that's, that's really not a lot of food for 13 grown men in this boat. So they have forgotten the boat. Or, not the boat, the loaf, the pita, the loaf. So they forgot. How can they forget the boat? So they've forgotten the loaf, and they're on the boat. And this is what Jesus was saying to them. Mark tells us that Jesus was warning them, that he was cautioning them. And what was he cautioning them about? Uh, the word caution here in the Greek, though, means this. It means, uh, it, means to, uh, it means strong orders that must be obeyed. That's really what, what the word here, caution, means. So Jesus is cautioning them, these strong orders from Jesus. Jesus is not playing here at all. Like, he's serious. Jesus on the boat, and he's serious, and he's strongly saying, hey, you guys need to obey this. Like, this is a caution. Now, the question is, what was he cautioning them about? Mark tells us here in verse 15 that he says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. What is that about? Like, what, what, what does that mean? What does that really mean, the leaven of the, of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod? Well, leaven uh, was a small portion, a tiny portion of fermented dough. And it was used to ferment other doughs. Uh, it, was, it was a small amount of dough left over from the previous week uh, that when you mixed in with uh, the, another batch of dough, it would help make the dough or the bread rise. So this leavened bread would basically allow for the other dough, would kind of spread into the other dough to let the bread rise. That, that is what, uh, in that culture, uh, just kind of what the leaven was. Now, in the Bible, in the scriptures, leaven was used really in a positive sense and in a neutral sense. But most of the time when the scriptures, and especially the New Testament, use this, the word leaven, it actually has this idea, like a, a symbolic idea of evil and wickedness and sin. In other words, Jesus is saying, hey guys, be careful of the sinfulness of the Pharisees. Be careful of the 
unbelief of the Pharisees because sin spreads and it spreads quick. Uh, Be careful of the spiritual blindness of the Pharisees. Be careful of the hardness of heart of the Pharisees because you're going to end up where they are too. Now, what's very interesting is that when Jesus was talking to them and warning them, strongly warning them to obey something, it has this idea of being strong, a strong command. Mark tells us that the disciples were distracted, that they were talking and discussing with one another that they had no bread. Think about that. They're in the boat with Jesus, Jesus is sharing his words with them because he loves them and cares for them and he's sharing his words with them. Yet they are so distracted about something so earthly, about material things, that they don't even hear what Jesus said. They were distracted from God's words. They are so distracted that they completely dismiss the very words of Christ. They ignore Jesus' spiritual instructions because they were so worried about earthly things. This week I was was reminded about the importance of focusing on the word of Christ, on the word of God. I was reminded of the importance of not letting the distractions of this world really come between my relationship with God and especially me taking in the word of God. Uh, I was was working on a house uh, and I get a text message from my wife, Christina, and she says, hey, can you you, um, uh, order this for me? Can you order this for me? And uh, I was like, okay, you know, what, what is it? So I was kind of waiting for her to send me the, the Amazon link. I thought it was going to be like makeup or something or like an air fryer. I don't know. And uh, so I'm just waiting. And, and she sends me this book. She sends me this book. And I'm like, okay, what book do you want? And uh, it's, it's called Desiring God by John Piper. If you've never read it, it's a classic. You have to read it. I mean, it'll wreck you in the best way possible. Trust me. It's deep. It's rich uh, in its theology, in its biblical content. Like, it's, it's a good book, man. Like, it really is. It's life-changing. And when she sent me that, the first thing I thought to myself was like, man, that is so sexy. Like, that, that is sexy, man. There is nothing better in this life. There's nothing more sexy than a woman who loves Jesus. Come on, somebody, yeah? All right. I really did think that. I'm not going to lie. I really did think Man, that's sexy, baby. All right, anyway. Uh, the second thing I, I, I came across was like, holy cow. Like, my wife and I right now are in like a crazy, busy season of our life. Like, we are on the go. Like We just have so much going on. And in the middle of the craziness, in the middle of the busyness, in the middle of all of the things that could distract her and us, from the very words of Jesus, she reminded me this past week, yo, we can't get distracted. 
We have to be in the Word of God. We have to study the Word of God. We have to receive the Word of God and grow in the Word of God. Ladies here today, listen. Just because Scripture says that, yes, the man is the leader of the home, doesn't mean that you don't have a spiritual influence in your home and with your husband. You do. You do. You can encourage your husband spiritually, lift him up. And so it was just a great reminder for me that in the busyness and the distraction, man, we must stay focused on God's word. So let me ask you this, church. Have you been distracted from God's word lately? Have you been distracted from God's word lately? What or who has been distracting you from God's very word? Is it work? You're super slammed at work. Boss is on you. He's just grinding on you. Asking for a lot. And you're just so focused on work. There's no room for God's word in your life. Is it the news? Is it what's playing on your phone or the TV? Distracted with the news, distracted with our phones and social media. This is interesting, and I'm so guilty, man. I ain't going to say I got it all together. A lot of times we say we have no time, but yet if we look at how much time we spend on our phone, boy, we have time. We can make time for what's important. Your phone on social media distracting you. Is it other people? And here's the thing. It doesn't have to be necessarily bad things. It could be very good things in our life. Even kids. For those of you that have kids, God bless you. That's awesome and amazing. But even kids could distract you from being in the word of God. You see, you're a follower of Jesus first and you're a parent second. And the best thing that you can give to your kids is someone who's spiritually mature and passionate about Jesus to instruct them and teach them and lead them and guide them. Now, a lot of the times we take these good things and make them the ultimate things. Maybe it's family, your spouse, or just the fact that you're just so busy all the time. I've said it before, if the enemy can't make you bad, he'll make you what? Busy. He'll make you busy. He'll distract you. And so church, God is trying to speak to you. He's trying to speak to you. He wants a relationship with you. He wants to talk to you. How does he do that? How does God want to communicate with you and talk to you? Through his word. A lot of the times we try to get all spiritual and and try to have this like emotional charged moment so that we can feel that God actually speaks to us. And that man, I want to hear God audibly and, and all of that stuff. But here's the thing. God speaks to you through his word. If you want to hear from God, read his word. If you want God to speak to you audibly, read it out loud. He speaks to people through his word. Do you have deep reverence for the word of God? Do you love the scriptures? Or have you just become so familiar with the scriptures that we can simply come to church, listen to a sermon, it goes in one ear and out the other, and there is no change upon our life? Are you distracted right now? Man, what are we going to eat after, we, after Johnny's done? Because he's taking way too long. 
I got all of these things to do. You're distracted right now. Man, I, I want God to, you know, I, or I want a sermon that's going to make me feel good. I don't want this Bible stuff. I want a feel-good sermon. Do you have a deep reverence for the word? And here's the thing, church. Here's why this matters so much. Here's why this matters so much. Because if we're going to reach the world for Christ, then we first have to let the word reach us. If we're going to reach the world for Christ, like we're called to, then we first have to let the word reach and penetrate our heart and our soul. But we can't reach the world if we're not in the word. Are you distracted from God's word? Point number two, forgetful of God's works. A dull disciple is not only distracted from God's word, but is forgetful of God's works. Verse 17, and Jesus, aware of this, that they're just arguing over a piece of bread, said to them, why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves of the 5,000, how many basketful Baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? They said 12. And the seven for the 4,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, seven. And he said to them, do you not yet understand? Jesus here rebukes the disciples, the dull disciples. He uses five rhetorical questions. Essentially, he's saying, guys, you're arguing over a piece of bread. You were there when I fed 5,000. If actually it was 15 to 20,000, you were there. We had nothing. We had little resources. You were there when we fed the 4,000 again. And you're arguing over a piece of bread that someone forgot the bread. The disciples were so focused on the material bread that they were so distracted from the bread of life, which is Jesus. They have forgotten everything he has done. Their hearts were partially hardened. They were spiritually blind. What Jesus did in those two miracles left no lasting impact upon their soul and upon their lives. And so Jesus rebukes these disciples. Guys, we just fed thousands of people, and you're arguing over a loaf. Do you not trust me? Did you not see? Do you not have eyes to see? He rebukes them. Not only that, but he gives them a quick history lesson. He gives them a quick history lesson. He says, guys, and these, these two next questions are not rhetorical questions. He really wants an answer. He says, guys, when I broke the five loaves of the 5,000, how many baskets full? How many leftovers? How many abundance? How much abundance was there? They said 12. Hey, do you remember when we fed the 4,000, how many baskets full? Seven. In other words, what Jesus was trying to do is, guys, I'm a God of, an, of abundance. I take your little and make it into much. 
I make it into a lot. So why are you arguing? Why are you discussing something that doesn't matter? Where is your trust? Where is your faith? Have you not forgotten who I am? Have you not forgotten how faithful I am that I will never leave you or forsake you? They forgot God's faithfulness and God's goodness. I had the opportunity, church, to, um, uh, to go back home this past week. I just got back uh, yesterday afternoon. And so I went to Texas uh, to visit my brother. Uh, it was a really cool time to see my family. And so uh, Christina and I were driving around, and I was kind of showing her uh, some of the areas that I grew up in in, in, uh, in Texas. And so, um, and so we were just kind of driving around, and I was telling her, like, okay, this is when I grew up. I was this old or whatever. And then I took her to where, um, uh, to the place where I grew up uh, when I was an infant, like when I was a baby. And I took her there, and, uh, you know, I was just telling her about, you know, just a bunch of stories that, that I remembered uh, from there, or that I was told to, obviously didn't remember I was an infant, but that I was told to, um, and just sharing a lot of things about, like, my parents met there as, a, as junior hires and, and things like that. Um, and as I was telling her that, I, I really was reminded of God's goodness and God's faithfulness upon my life. Like, I really was reminded of God's goodness and faithfulness as I was kind of, like, driving her around town and just showing her just different things and different areas, and I had different memories. And like, like I mentioned, the, the area where, um, where I grew up in as an infant, uh, that's the area, or that's the, the place in these apartment complexes where my father gave his life to Jesus. Uh, my dad was a bad dude. Like, my dad was a gang banger, bad dude. You wouldn't notice now, he's super chill, but he's a bad dude. And this old lady would knock on his door all the time to share the gospel and to bring him to church. And finally he did, and he accepted Christ into his life. And because of that decision in my dad's life, my mom later on, although it took a while, became a believer. And so I grew up in a Christian home. And I was just reminded that God is faithful, man. And because of his faithfulness, because of just him working in my parents' life during that time, I grew up in a Christian home, and I came to faith. And as we drove around town, I was reminded of the times where, man, we, we didn't have a lot of resources. We didn't grow up rich. We didn't grow up balling. You know, we didn't do all that. But yet God never let us down. He always provided what we need, when we needed. He was always there for us. I was reminded of his faithfulness. Let me ask you this. Is it time for you to take a trip down memory lane? How has God been faithful to you? Have you forgotten his faithfulness upon your life? How good he's been? And he gave you strength when you didn't have any strength. When he healed you, when the doctors told you you were done, when he comforted you, when he provided financially for you when you didn't know how you were going to make it when you wanted to end your life, but God gave, you, God gave you hope? Have you forgotten of his faithfulness in your life? His works? You see, here's the thing, church. Our forgetfulness is not tied to God's faithfulness. Just because we forget doesn't mean that he's not faithful. He's faithful and good even when we forget 
that he's faithful, even when we forget all of the works he has done in our lives. And what's the greatest work he's done in your life? If you're a believer, the greatest work he's done in your life, if you're a believer, if you're truly in Christ, that he has rescued you from sin and death, that he's redeemed you, that he chose you, that you were once in darkness, but by God's grace, his sovereign grace drew you to himself and you didn't do anything. You, didn't, you and I did nothing to earn our salvation. Even our repentance and faith, those two things are even a grace of God. God gives us the grace so that we can repent and place our faith in him. Salvation from the beginning to the end is of God. That's the greatest work he's ever done, if you're a believer. And if we don't remember, church, that he was faithful in the past, well then, how can we live for him, for his kingdom, and for his mission in the future? It's okay to look at the past. Because the past gives us the strength, the faith that he will be with us to the very end. That he will strengthen us, that he would use us. He gives us the strength and the faith that we need as we seek to make a difference in the future. Now, here's the, here's, here's the, the good thing and the bad thing about preaching through books of the Bible. Okay, Sometimes... There's back-to-back-to-back passages where you feel like you're getting beat down. You're like, oh, my gosh. Like, Jesus is brutal, man. I came to, like, you know, listen to a message that was uplifting, especially at the son's lost, you know, yesterday. Man, I didn't want to come hear about this. So I get it. We just preach what's there, you know. But here's the cool thing. I love that although if we stop there and I just stop the message there, yeah, it sounds kind of bad, whatever. But this passage actually ends with hope. Do you see it? Do you see in verse 21 how this passage ends with hope? Look at verse 21, if you have your Bibles. And he said to them, do you not yet understand? Not yet. Jesus did not say, you will never understand. He says, not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Meaning that there's hope for the disciples. And there's hope for you. Do you feel sometimes like the disciples? A little dull? I know I do. Distracted from God in his word. I know I do. God trying to teach us some stuff and we kind of don't really fully understand. Do you ever feel like the disciples when you forget God's goodness and faithfulness? Not yet. Not yet. Meaning there's hope. There's room for growth. There's grace for you and me. If you feel stuck, if you feel complacent, guess what? It's okay. There's seasons 
that we go through. But it's not okay to stay that way. Dig into the word of God. He's waiting to speak to you. Don't forget about his goodness and faithfulness. Because if he was faithful in the past, he's going to be faithful today and he's going to be faithful in the future as he uses you to make a difference in people's lives. There's hope, man. Not yet. Not yet. Church, we cannot be dull disciples. We can't. We, we, just, we just can't. We can't be ineffective. We can't be useless. Why? Because our mission is too big. Our calling, too great. Our purpose, too important. To simply go through the motions with checkbox Christianity. Our mission, our calling, our purpose is big. To simply be stuck and stagnant in our Christian walk, man. I meet way too many people that have attended churches for years and years and years with no signs of growth, of zeal, of purpose, of passion, of commitment to God and his kingdom. May that not be you today. May you focus upon him. May you take your calling and your mission serious. Your purpose. You were created on purpose and for a purpose. You're not here by accident or by chance. God has a calling upon your life. And Jesus needs some sharp disciples not dull ones. I want to pray with you and I want to pray for you. Would you actually stand up? I want to pray for you. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for every single person here today. May every single person here today receive your grace. May the not yet give them hope that even your own disciples who were with you physically struggled with distractions and forgetfulness and complacency. And it's no same with us, but God, we receive your grace today. We receive your hope. God, create in us a spirit of passion for you, for your kingdom and your mission. God, if we've been stuck in a rut, God, would you reach down into the pit and rescue us. Give us a fire for your mission. Give us a fire for the world who's completely broken, living in unbelief, spiritually blind, just walking around spiritually blind with hard hearts. God, I pray that the people of Restoration Church would be disciples who are on fire for you who live with understanding of who you are, God. That they love a God who they understand. That they obey a God who they understand and know. 
May the people of Restoration Church live with urgency and passion and devotion. God, we need you desperately in our lives, in our hearts, in our church. God, I could preach so I'm red in the face, but would you work in people's hearts through the power of your spirit today? And they leave both challenged and encouraged in your grace. We thank you. In your name we pray. And everyone says, Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those who give generously to this ministry. Without you, this ministry would not be possible. If you feel led to give, please use the link below as we seek to make a difference in people's lives. Also, please make sure to share this with your family and your friends. Again, thank you so much for listening.